This is Finding Center, a daily hour of spiritual focus. Today on Finding Center, the theme is Seeking the Holy Ghost. In the first half, we will hear Elder Jose A. Teixeira's BYU devotional address entitled, To Be Spiritually Minded is Life and Peace. Then in the second half, we'll hear a fireside address from Elder Robert D. Hales entitled, Seek and Attain the Spiritual High Ground in Life. The Meridian-Webster Dictionary reported by the end of 2020 that, based on an analysis of words looked up in their online dictionary, that the word of the year for 2020 was pandemic. The first big spike in the dictionary lookups for pandemic took place on February the 3rd, the same day the first COVID-19 patient in the U.S. was released from a Seattle hospital. That day, pandemic was looked up 1,600% more than it had been in a previous year. But close inspection of the dictionary data shows that searches for the word have began to tick up consistently starting on January the 20th, the date of the first positive case in the United States. That initial February spike in lookups did drop off. In fact, it grew. By early March, the word was being looked up at an average of 4,000% over 2019 levels. On March 11, the World Health Organization officially declared that COVID-19 can be characterized as a pandemic. And this is the day that pandemic saw the single largest spike in dictionary traffic in 2020, showing an increase of more than 115,000% over lookups on that day in 2019. What's the most striking about this word is that it remained high in searches in the dictionary, staying near the top of the word list for the rest of the year. According to Merriam-Webster, the word pandemic is defined as an outbreak of a disease that occurs over a wide geographical area, such as multiple countries and continents, and typically affects a significant proportion of the population. The Greek roots of this word tell a clear story. Pan means all or every. And demos means people. Its literal meaning is of all the people. In one way or another, all of us were affected by this unexpected outbreak and medical emergency. Words and expressions rarely used before became part of our day-to-day vocabulary, such as social distancing, isolation, quarantine, and many others. Our lives were transformed during this last year with these unexpected challenges. Through the current pandemic, COVID-19, it is of such magnitude that most people alive today have never seen anything like it. Loss of life was and still is painful for so many. 
working conditions required a significant amount of change, as it did our day-to-day interactions with each other. Students and faculty were not an exception to all of this, as you well know. The Gallup study of the Student Experience Report for the fall of 2020 reveals that 80% of first-time students in the fall of 2020 rated the quality of the education they were receiving as excellent. But of those already enrolled, 51%, or more than half, reported that COVID-19 was very likely or likely to impact their ability to complete that degree. Although the majority of the students reported positive overall ratings, students who were taking classes mostly or entirely in person before the pandemic and had transitioned to a mostly or entirely online experience said that the quality of their education experience was affected. Knowing what to do in troubled times is one of the extraordinary blessings that can be part of the life of a faithful member of the Lord's Church. The gift of the Holy Ghost is the privilege given to people who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ, being baptized and being confirmed members of the Church, to receive continual guidance and inspiration from the Holy Ghost as they remain faithful. I personally cannot think of a more sublime blessing than having the constant companionship and guidance of the Holy Ghost and being able to receive comfort, peace, and direction from Him in our lives. For a moment, I invite you to consider these words of the Apostle Paul to the Romans. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. Choosing to be spiritually minded by living a life worthy of the Holy Ghost's gentle persuasions will provide you guidance in your decisions and protection from both physical and spiritual danger. Through the Holy Ghost, you can receive the gifts of the Spirit for your benefit and for the benefit of those you love and serve. His communication to your spirit carries far more certainty than any communication you can receive through your natural senses. How can you live a spiritually minded life and have more abundant guidance from the Holy Ghost? To be in tune with our Heavenly Father and our Lord and Savior is being spiritually minded. The Scriptures teach us that all things are spiritual unto the Lord. Wherefore, verily I say unto you, that all things unto me are spiritual, and not at any time have I given unto you a law which was temporal. When we are in harmony with Heavenly Father, we have the companionship of His Spirit. As we place that harmony as a priority in our lives, we draw near unto Him and His Son, Jesus Christ, whom He has sent, and not unto the world. To love God is to be spiritually minded. Cultivating a relationship with your Heavenly Father in prayer will keep Him in your mind and in your heart.
The Apostle John, one of the original twelve and a credit author of the first book of John in the New Testament, addressed false beliefs amongst the people of the time that salvation was achieved by means other than through faith in Jesus Christ. John refuted these false beliefs with his testimony of the love of God for us and with his personal witness of Jesus Christ and invited his readers to experience the joy of being in harmony with the Father and the Son. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. In this life, we can feel the love of God with the companionship of His Spirit. When we do the will of our Father, which is in heaven, and strive to stay on the path that leads us to Him, the Holy Ghost can guide us. We are spiritually minded when we understand that the purpose of the sacrament is to remember the Savior and what He did for us. The promise in both prayers of the bread and the water contain the phrase, that they who partake may have His Spirit to be with them. We endeavor to take the sacrament every week because we want to preserve and nurture our spirituality. We perhaps could use the words of Matthew in the New Testament as a measuring instrument or perhaps a position sensor to indicate where we stand regarding our spirituality. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. President Dallin H. Oaks taught, As a faithful member of the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints, we have a distinct way of looking at life. We view our experiences in terms of eternity. As we draw further from worldliness, we feel closer to our Heavenly Father in heaven and more able to be guided by His Spirit. We call this quality of life spirituality. He then specified, How we interpret our experiences is also a function of our degree of spirituality. Some interpreted mortality solely in terms of worldly accomplishments and possessions. In contrast, we who have a testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ should interpret our experiences in terms of our knowledge of the purpose of life, the mission of our Savior, and the eternal destiny of the children of God. To recognize spiritual things is to be spiritually minded. I attest that spirituality is a blessing of consistent effort on our part. As we seek to learn and follow the promptings of the Spirit, 
we can more easily distinguish things of God from things of the world. President Russell M. Nelson reminded us of this when he said, Just as repetition and consistent effort are required to gain physical or mental capacity, the same is true in spiritual matters. So this begs the question, are you developing your spirituality? We have seen so many of you decisively and courageously change your routines during this pandemic, tending to others' needs, connecting more meaningfully with family, being more understanding and kind, serving in your community, and finally dedicating time to be in tune with the things of God. I commend you for working to be spiritually minded in these ways. Thanks to the foresight of church leaders, we have many excellent tools today to assist in strengthening our spirituality. Think of the development of the Gospel Library app that allows the power of the scriptures and gospel study to be literally in your pocket at all times. Think about ministry and the changes therein that encourage the use of technology as we reach out to others. Consider the home-centered, church-supported approach to learning and the Come, Follow Me curriculum, elevating our spirituality wherever we are. We do not need to be in a spiritual quarantine with all of these resources available. We can work together, choosing every opportunity to be spiritually minded, encouraging life and peace, as Paul described, consciously inviting spirituality in as an integral part of our lives. We are taught in the scriptures that the fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. So let us seek this quality of life. Let me ask you another question. Are you making and keeping spiritual goals? A spiritually-minded person endeavors to strengthen his or her spirituality. And when setting goals, asks the question, Are my goals giving adequate attention to my spiritual needs? A spiritual-minded person seeks to know how to follow spiritual promptings and how to act on those promptings. Therefore, goal-setting for spiritual things is necessary and essential. Annie, our four-year-old granddaughter, set a goal to learn to ride a bicycle. She practiced and caught on quickly. So her parents took her on a family bike ride to the lake near their house. There were a few hills and a few bumps along the path, but Annie did great. While they were riding, Annie's mother expressed amazement at how well Annie had biked up a hill and across a bridge. Annie then shared the secret for our success, replying, Yep, I just hold on, Mom, and I keep paddling. And with that simple, consistent effort, she rode two miles on her very first real bicycle ride. My wise granddaughter knows what it takes to conquer any hill 
or ride over any bump. We just have to hold on and keep pedaling. While riding a bicycle, if we only hold on, no matter how tight, we are still likely to fall. It is the pedaling that maintains the balance. For us, the simple daily acts of prayer, scripture study, and application of the prophet's counsel keep our spirituality upright and moving forward, despite the bumps and hills, pandemics, and changes of life. Our dear prophet, President Russell M. Nelson, explained that as you choose to let God prevail in our lives, you will experience for yourselves that God is a God of miracles. He said, When your greatest desire is to let God prevail, to be part of Israel, so many decisions become easier. So many issues become non-issues. You know what you want to accomplish. You know the kind of person you really want to become. I suggest focusing on what really matters. In doing so, you will see that strengthening your spirituality and becoming a spiritually-minded person, though it requires effort and diligence, can be simple. Hold on and keep paddling. Nurture your spiritual Yona. You are nudged, poked, and pulled in so many directions by so many voices of this world where everyone seems to know how you can attain happiness and find comfort that at times you might feel hesitant about which direction you should go. Remember that your spiritual Yawana works best when you practice differentiating the voice of the Spirit from the voices of the world. The Holy Ghost is always calm, clear, and comforting, giving specific guidance, bringing you peace and hope. The Holy Ghost works in perfect unity with Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ, fulfilling several roles to help you live righteously and receive the blessings of the gospel. One of the many teachings I love from President Russell M. Nelson is his lesson that the source of our spiritual power is the Lord. The ultimate source of spiritual power is God, our Father, and the messenger of this power is the Holy Ghost. This power differs from electrical power. An electrical appliance consumes power. The use of his spiritual power replenishes our power. While electrical power can be used only for measured periods of time, spiritual power can be used for time and eternity. We are encouraged to seek learning, even by study and also by faith, and receive the promise that revealed truth will come to our minds and hearts through the Holy Ghost as we diligently seek Him. My dear friends, I invite you to hold on and keep paddling, to become spiritually minded by setting goals in your life for spiritual things. Use the many resources made available to you to strengthen your spirit. After all, we are spiritual beings having a human experience and not the other way around.
BYU is an exceptional university because it was founded in the premises that here you can learn and develop your gifts and talents and prepare you for the tests of life. Here you can be encompassed in an environment of learning that will help you fortify your temporal and spiritual self-reliance, lifting and serving others and making the world truly a better place. I leave with you, my dear friends, my testimony that to be spiritually minded is indeed life and peace. That quality of life improves when you are in harmony with God and His Son, Jesus Christ, and that God loves you and is mindful of you and your needs now, your needs today. I bear this testimony in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You've been listening to Finding Center. Our theme today is Seeking the Holy Ghost. We've just heard from Elder José A. Teixeira. After the break, we'll return with Elder Robert D. Hales for Seek and Attain the Spiritual High Ground in Life. This is Finding Center, a daily hour of spiritual focus. Our theme today is Seeking the Holy Ghost. Next is Elder Robert D. Hales, a member of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints at the time of this address, titled Seek and Attain the Spiritual High Ground in Life. Tonight I would like to talk to you about how to stand faithful and true always. I suggest to you that we will only be able to stand true to the faith as we seek and obtain spiritual high ground in our lives. What is high ground? It's interesting that prophets of all dispensations sought inspiration in the tops of the mountains. For example, Moses saw God face to face on an exceedingly high mountain. Nephi went into the mountain and cried unto the Lord. The brother of Jared saw the premortal Christ, a profoundly sacred experience, on Mount Shalem. Isaiah and Micah in the Old Testament prophesied, In the last days the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains. Our Savior also went to the mountains often to seek spiritual guidance and to teach his disciples. Christ was transfigured before Peter, James, and John on an high mountain apart. One of the greatest discourses, the Beatitudes, came from the great Sermon on the Mount. On another occasion, the Savior went up into the mountain above the Sea of Galilee, and when the multitudes came, he blessed and healed all those who were afflicted. From such ground, Ancient prophets and the Lord himself received direction and power to keep the commandments and serve others. To seek spiritual high ground is to rise above the world and the temptation and follow our Savior. Tonight, I would like to share with you a particular story in the scriptures 
which demonstrates the importance of seeking and staying on high ground. The importance of high ground is shown by Lahontai in the Book of Mormon, who teaches us an important lesson about seeking and maintaining the high ground. Lahontai took his followers to a high place atop a mountain and built a fortress for safety. The Lamanite king sent his army, led by the Nephite dissenter Amalekiah, to conquer Lahanti and his people. But Amalekiah was a very subtle man, and he wanted to gain favor with the armies of the Lamanites so he could overthrow the king and take possession of the kingdom for himself. Three times Amalekiah sent a message to Lahanti, asking him to come down to the valley to come to meet with him. Three times Lahanti refused to leave the safety of high ground. But Amalekiah was persistent, and in the vernacular gave him an offer he couldn't refuse. The fourth time Amalekiah came near Lahanti's camp and said to Lahanti, in effect, just step outside your fortress and bring your guards with you, and I'll come up the mountain and I'll meet you there. This time Lahanti accepted Amalekiah's invitation and left the security of the mountaintop. Now Amalekiah presented his devious plan, tempting Lahanti with victory and power. Lahanti was invited to bring his men down from the mountain in the middle of the night and surround the Lamanite army as they slept. Amalekiah promised that he would surrender to Lahanti, giving Lahanti command of the entire Lamanite army. As long as Lahanti made Amalekiah second in command, the plan was executed as Amalekiah had outlined. The Lamanite army surrendered, and Lahanti became the chief. But then Amalekiah had his servant slowly poison Lahanti. With Lahanti dead, Amalekiah took command of both armies, gained control of Lahanti's people, and returned victorious to the king of the Lamanites. Whereupon Amalekiah completed his evil plan by killing the king and becoming ruler of the Lamanites. Now let's look at this in terms of our lives. Amalekiah's deceptions show just how Satan works in our lives. His temptations are incessant invitations to leave our high ground and the spiritual safety. And he will, with great patience, wait for us to give in to his enticements. Lahanti did not respond the first time a messenger came, nor the second nor the third time. But on the fourth visit, Lahanti stepped just below the safety of the high ground, succumbing to the false promises of power and glory. Of course, Lahanti's demise was not immediate. Perhaps for days he gloried in the status as commander-in-chief of the Lamanite army and probably thought that leaving the mountaintop fortress was worth it. But like Amalekiah's treachery, the enticements of the adversary are always short-lived and poisonous. Whenever we leave the high ground, we succumb to spiritual illness. Can you see how important it is to stay on high ground? Just as the Savior called his disciples to come to him in a mountain so that he could ordain them with priesthood power, he invites all of us, as his disciples today, to come to him. Those who hearken to that invitation will receive blessings not available anywhere else. 
In this life, we will be constantly tried and tested to see if we will keep the commandments of God. But all of the trials of this probationary period, called mortality, are here to make us stronger, not to pull us under and defeat us. As the Lord taught the Prophet Joseph Smith, all these things shall give thee experience and shall be for thy good. Thine afflictions shall be but for a small moment, and then if thou endure it well, God shall exalt thee on high. Sometimes we forget who we are. We're children of God, and we are striving to achieve exaltation. We want to live eternally on the highest ground, in the presence of God the Father and Jesus Christ. It is called exaltation. But sometimes, like Lahanti, we put ourselves in compromising circumstances by choosing to step down even just a little from the safety of living the commandments. We then become vulnerable to Satan and the enticements of the world. It is important that we stay on high ground together. Keep in mind that Lahanti wasn't the only one who suffered from the consequences of his choices. So many times you and I think that when we compromise our standards, it can't hurt anyone but me. But in reality, so many depend on us to be obedient, to be worthy, to be true, to be chaste. Just think, there are our friends, our parents, our brothers and sisters, and most importantly, our eternal companion and our children. Even if you are not married, and I'll say yet, your future companion and children are interested in your spiritual well-being. Your choices now may determine whether or not you'll be worthy of them in the future. May I just say a moment, there may be some who won't be married. May I just say to you, the most important thing you have to remember, stay on the high ground and make sure that you are worthy because we're told that there will be many blessings in the eternities to come that will be rightfully yours. So do not get that discouraged. The most important thing is to stay worthy and true and on the spiritual high ground. When Lahanti came out of the fortress and succumbed to temptation and all of his people suffered, Amalekiah brought them back into captivity and many were killed in battle later on. As converted followers of the Savior, we are commissioned to strengthen those around us. We get on high ground not to save ourselves from the adversary, but also so that we can lift others to safety. Good friends keep us on high ground. Good friends strengthen us and help us to live the commandments when we are with them. True friends will not make us choose between the Lord's ways and their ways. If your present friends are taking you off the straight and narrow path and taking you from the high ground, depart from them now. Do not let the mocking from those who have chosen the great and spacious building shame you into leaving spiritual safety. Choose your friends carefully. At the same time, we must ask ourselves, what kind of a friend am I? Be a good example. Be a light under the world. Lead and guide those around you on the path of righteousness. They are depending on you to lift and to strengthen them. 
Staying on high ground requires desire and faith. How do we get to the high ground and stay there? First, we must desire and seek to always be faithful in gospel teachings, commandments, and covenants. We must seek the blessings which come from such obedience. We do this by cultivating an atmosphere in which the Spirit can always abide with us. Once on high ground, we stay there through obedience to the commandments, study and prayer, living principles of provident living and self-reliance, preparing for and honoring temple covenants, and building strong marriages and families. To reach the high ground, we must first have the desire to be in the kingdom of God and above the things of the world. Faith is the principal element of that desire. The scriptures explain that faith is not a perfect knowledge, but even if we can no more than desire to have or to believe, we can develop faith by experimenting upon the word. Or in other words, as we keep the commandments, our faith grows. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is the first principle and the cornerstone of eternal salvation. As we exercise our faith in our Savior and apply His teachings in our life, we will be strengthened, and we will not fear the world or heed its enticements. The Lord's admonition to trust Him is clear. Look unto me in every thought. Doubt not. Fear not. We can be like Joseph Smith, whose service to the Lord began with the boy's simple faith in a scriptural verse. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Joseph's sincere prayer was answered with the first vision, and from that time he followed the Lord's instructions. Like Joseph, as he matured, we will also faithfully grow in gospel service. We will become more like our Savior in our actions and in our caring, giving and testifying as we rely on the Holy Ghost to lead and guide us in all that we do. Having the Spirit to be with us is the most important thing. As we exercise our faith relying on the Spirit, it helps us to reach the high ground. At baptism, we receive the gift of the Holy Ghost with the laying on of hands by one having authority. Just as the Savior promised his ancient apostles that he would leave a comforter with them, I marvel that even though the apostles were ultimately killed for their faith, all of them, other than Judas, remained true to the Savior to the end. The Holy Ghost will always give us guidance courage and strength to stay on high ground. Through the influence of the Holy Ghost, we can receive revelation and answer to our prayers, maintain strong testimonies of the Savior throughout our lives, endure to the end, and attain eternal life. None of us are immune from the temptations of the adversary. That is why we are here in mortality. It is a test. We all need the fortification available through the Holy Ghost. How important it is during troubled times when we are tested that we do not do anything to lose the Holy Ghost's comfort, peace, and direction. Companionship with the Spirit will give us the strength to resist evil and, when necessary, to repent and return to the straight and narrow path that leads to eternal salvation. 
I believe we cannot go far from the high ground if we always have the Spirit with us. Each Sabbath day we have an opportunity to renew our baptismal covenant by partaking of the sacrament. In doing so, we promise the Lord that we are willing to take His name upon us, always remember Him, and keep His commandments. If we are willing to do this, we are given the great promise that we will always have His Spirit to be with us. In the Book of Mormon, King Benjamin explains why our willingness to take upon ourselves the name of the Savior is so important. He said, There is no other name given whereby salvation cometh therefore. I would that ye should take upon you the name of Christ. All of you have entered into the covenant with God that ye should be obedient unto the end of our lives. And it shall come to pass that whosoever doeth this shall be found at the right hand of God. For he shall know the name by which he is called. For he shall be called by the name of Christ. As we strive to take upon us the name of Christ to become Christians, we put him and his work first in our lives. We sanctify ourselves and try to become like him by seeking his will and faithfully serving others. As we follow the promptings of the Holy Ghost, in this manner we teach and we reach spiritual high ground. But it does require obedience. Obedience to Christ's teachings keeps us on high ground. As the psalmist wrote, Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart. We keep our hands clean and our hearts pure through obedience. In the premortal existence, we were blessed with agency, the ability to choose. We maintain that agency in this life by being obedient. Such obedience keeps us free from the bondage of Satan. If we are faithful and obedient, he cannot dominate or control us. I think what we have to remember is that if we have the Spirit to be with us, we have light. And Satan, who is the prince of darkness, cannot stand light. Therefore, with that light, if we tell him to depart, he must depart. But like in the scripture story of Lahanti and Amalekiah, the adversary is so clever in his temptation. He entices us to choose a momentary lapse in judgment to come down from the high ground in the process. We can lose all the blessings in store for us if we are faithful. I want so much for you to understand that you do not want to live your life regretting poor decisions or disobedient actions. I am reminded of Whittier's words, Of all the sad words of tongue and pen, the saddest are these it might have been. I'd like to repeat that. Of all the sad words of tongue and pen, the saddest of these it might have been. There is nothing sadder than spending your life in the present, plagued by a decision in the past. And what you have to remember in repentance, that the fourth element of repentance is to forgive yourself, to let go of it, and the Lord will not call it to mind. Just remember, there is nothing that you have done that will stop you from putting it behind you. But if such a moment of weakness should come, please understand that through the Atonement of our Savior, Jesus Christ, 
there is a way back so that through repentance we can return to them with honor. If you are already feeling the effects of evil's poison, there is an antidote. We can be restored to full spiritual health and happiness. Mercy can satisfy the demands of justice as we repent and return to the Father in our prayers and in our conduct. Repentance and obedience to the commandments, being faithful and honoring our covenants, will enable us to once again to be worthy of eternal blessings. Please study and have prayers. Another important way we stay on the high ground is through faithful and thoughtful study and prayer. We can learn so much from our Savior. When he was tempted by Lucifer, he prayed to his Heavenly Father for strength and said, Get thee behind me, Satan. Now you have to understand, because you have a mortal body, because you made a decision to come to this world to have a mortal experience, he will never have a body, nor will his followers. And when you tell him to depart, he must depart. And once you understand that, you begin to understand who you are as a child of God. What would have happened if Lahanti had prayed for guidance as Jesus did? Had he done so, I am convinced, and I feel, that Lahanti would not have succumbed to Amalekiah's request to come down from the safety of the mountaintop. I am sure the Spirit would have warned Lahanti of the dangers to him and to his people. I am grateful for the scriptures because I can learn from them, from those who have had these examples. That is why they are given to us, to remind us of who we are. But those examples of faithfulness and courage can avoid the mistakes of those who were not faithful. I am grateful that I can seek guidance in prayer and follow the promptings of the Spirit. I am also grateful for the opportunity we each have from the study and observation of others, especially our families. My mother was a great influence for me. I never would have uh, done everything. I would never have done anything that would have caused any heartache or pain to my mother. And I loved my father. Dad didn't preach to me. He quietly set an example and led by gentle persuasion and kind expectations. As the youngest in the family, I also learned from my older brothers and sisters, and I would say to myself, Boy, I don't want to do that one. <laughs> and uh, it's very interesting. If you can learn from the scriptures and if you can learn from those around you and not have to experience, it really helps. But the greatest influence on me is my internal companion. The most important decision that we make in our lives is whom we will marry. And I am so grateful for my sweetheart, for the example she has been to me for over 50 years, tenderly guiding, caring for me and our family, and keeping us on the straight, narrow path. In addition to faith, the gift of the Holy Ghost, study and prayer, the Lord has given us some important principles for our spiritual and temporal well-being that we can stay on high ground. The Lord's storehouse is both spiritual and temporal. Through faith and obedience to the commandments, we build a spiritual reservoir of strength to meet life's challenges. But we must replenish it all the time 
It's a little like the Old Testament and the manna. They had to get the new manna each day so they would have to be faithful to have it replenished. That's the way spiritual power is. Similarly, we should follow wise principles of provident living and self-reliance to build temporal resources to meet our needs and serve others. Provident living means not caring or coveting for the things of this world. It means using the resources of earth wisely and not being wasteful even in times of plenty. Provident living means avoiding excessive debt and being content with having that which is sufficient for our needs. For example, one element of provident living is to obtain an education and vocational training, as many of you are, to prepare us for a profession that will sustain us and our families. Then we must give a full day's effort for a full day's pay. Such a work ethic, coupled with the qualities of integrity, character, and trustfulness, being trustworthy, qualify us to be a laborer worthy of his hire. An element of provident living is the ability to live joyfully within our means. I want so much for you to understand that now, at your age. Avoiding excessive debt and not coveting the temporal things of the world. There seems to be a sense of entitlement in today's culture, a feeling that we should acquire things right now. Everything that our parents have acquired over many years, a new couple seems to want on the first day of their marriage. Debt can enslave us. When we become burdened with excessive debt, we have given away our precious, priceless agency and placed ourselves in self-imposed servitude, spending all of our time, all of our energy, and all of our means in the repayment of debts. A mounting feeling of hopelessness from this situation builds stress, which brings depression, both mental and physical, affecting our self-worth, our relationship with our companion, and ultimately our feelings towards the Lord. It is essential that we understand the need for and develop a spending and savings plan, the world calls it a budget, and distinguish between wants and needs. I have often felt that a companionship needs not only to hear the cherished three words, I love you, but also the tender four words of caring, we can't afford it. When a couple makes financial decisions, they have to talk with one another. If a husband or wife makes a large purchase without discussing it together and taking it to the Lord in prayer, it causes financial stress in the marriage. And financial stress is the number one cause of divorce. That and, of course, immorality. If couples are not one in temporal and financial manner, I can assure you that they are not going to be one on spiritual matters. Self-reliance is taking responsibility for our spiritual and temporal welfare and for those whom the Heavenly Father has entrusted to our care. When we are self-reliant, we can emulate the Savior in serving and blessing others. We raise ourselves to higher ground so that we can reach down and lift others. The reason why you will have success in your life is not for self-gratification, but that you can help others.
Our ability to serve is increased and diminished by the level of our self-reliance. These welfare principles are practical guidelines to teach us a prudent lifestyle that will bring happiness in our daily lives and prepare us to meet and endure the challenges and emergencies in the tests of life. Having applied these welfare principles in our own life, we then are able to stay on high ground and teach and reach out to others that need help. We can also teach them how to have provident living and self-reliant in their lives. These principles are just as important for an individual as for a family. If we are not married yet, begin practicing them yourself so that when that time comes, you have already formed sound habits. Such self-discipline will bless your family greatly in the future. The payment of tithes and fast offerings is an important element establishing a provident living style. Paying our tithes and offerings develops personal righteousness and fortifies our faith to sustain us through the trials, tribulations, and sorrows in our life's journey. It helps us to quench the selfish, temporal thirst for the things of this world and turns our thoughts and actions to eternal objectives and willingness to help others in need. If we are willing to give our tithes and offerings, we will be blessed, and we will experience a mighty change of heart from a worldly taking and getting mentality to a Christ-like loving, sharing, and giving attitude. If we are prepared by following welfare principles, not only shall we not fear for ourselves, but we shall also be able to overcome our adversity and assist in their time of need. That is the great blessing of provident living and becoming self-reliant. I hope that you will all learn it and practice it in your lives. I'd like to turn to the temple for a moment. Provident living also blesses us with the time and peace of mind to focus on other important aspects of staying on the high ground. The temple is the highest ground we can achieve in mortality. For us today, the temple is our mountaintop. It is the Lord's chosen house for sacred teachings, eternal covenants and ordinances, and personal communication with the Lord. It is where we covenant with the Lord. And when we make those covenants, it's as though we are in His presence. The temple is a place apart from the world, dedicated and consecrated to the Lord. It is a place where we learn the foundation of the world, the purpose of mankind and mortality, and the qualifications necessary to receive eternal blessings. In the temple, what is recorded on earth is recorded in heaven. What is sealed on earth is sealed in heaven for time and for all eternity. The eternal covenants we make with the Lord in the temple can never be broken except by our own disobedience. It is through these eternal ordinances and covenants we are prepared to live eternally with God the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. The temple is also a place where we can go before the Lord in prayer and pour out our desires and concerns. It is a sacred place where we can ponder and pray for strength to deal with our problems and for direction for our lives. When we are troubled or have crucial decisions that weigh heavily on our mind and soul, we can take our cares to the temple and receive spiritual guidance. I hope you will take advantage of that in your life. Temple covenants and worship are crucial to staying on the high ground. 
If we have not yet received sacred temple covenants, we must set our sights on going to the temple to receive the Lord's promised blessings. After we have been to the temple, we should faithfully and frequently return to worship and perform sacred ordinances for others. Many of you are preparing to be sealed with eternal companions with a choice son or daughter of our Heavenly Father. Some of you have already retained that blessing and are preparing to fulfill your responsibilities as parents. Whether these blessings come in this life or in the next, they will come to all who are faithful. If you have been born to parents who have been sealed in the temple, thank them and our Heavenly Father for this great blessing. If not, be grateful to your parents and all who have helped you stand today in high ground of the gospel. Commit yourself to be sealed in the temple, to raise your children, that they might be born in the covenant. The blessings of a temple marriage that you enjoy in this life and the next will bless you and your posterity throughout all eternity. Building strong marriages and families is what this is all about. As we strive to keep our covenants and build strong marriages and families, we fortify ourselves with a shield of faith to protect us from the fiery darts of the adversary. Knowing that temple ordinances and covenants are necessary for us to enter into the highest degree of celestial kingdom, I have often wondered why one who has taken upon themselves sacred temple covenants and reached the high ground would ever break them and come down from the high ground. Such unfaithfulness in turn breaks the hearts of their companions and children who desire to be in an eternal family. I have observed over the years many couples who have maintained strong and vital marriages as they have remained true to their temple covenants. In conclusion tonight, let me share with you what I have seen these successful couples do. These seemingly little things have fortified and strengthened not only themselves but their families. First, couples who build strong marriages and families know who they are. They know they are a son and daughter of God, and they set eternal goals to once again live with our Heavenly Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. They strive to live the ways of the natural man behind. Second, they know the doctrines of the gospel and the importance of the temple ordinances and covenants. They know that keeping their covenant is necessary to achieve eternal goals. Third, they choose to obtain the eternal blessings of the kingdom of God rather than temporal and temporary possessions of the world. They seek high ground and stay there. Fourth, such couples realize that when they are sealed for time and all eternity, they have chosen an eternal companion. There is no need to look any further. Their courting days are over. Fifth, these couples think of one another before themselves. They grow together and not apart as they serve one another, love one another, care for one another, and as they communicate together with the Lord in prayer. In conclusion, my brothers and sisters, I hope that you can see the importance of seeking and maintaining spiritual high ground in our lives and to bring others to the high ground with you. My hope and prayer is that you will truly understand who you are and conduct your life in such a way to always have the Spirit to be with you 
And as you do, you will attain the spiritual high ground that will qualify you and your posterity for all of the eternal blessings that are rightfully yours. May the Lord's choicest blessings be with you. I testify that those who make and seek and maintain the high ground as their lifelong quest will be blessed to one day stand in the highest grounds in the presence of God the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, that we may all live our lives to be worthy of attaining such celestial blessings through our obedience and keeping sacred covenants is my prayer. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. You've been listening to Finding Center. Join us every weekday for an hour of inspiration and spiritual focus. Today's theme was Seeking the Holy Ghost with thoughts from Elder José A. Teixeira and Elder Robert D. Hales. Find links to the full text and audio of these addresses at byuradio.org slash findingcenter. Finding Center is a production of BYU Broadcasting.